the meditation of my heart might fall in line with the meditation of your heart, Lord. That I might speak from your heart, Lord, this morning. Of what you want in your church, Lord. I pray for a mighty anointing to come upon your word, Lord, this morning. That souls might be revived and refreshed. And the power of God might be evident amongst us. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as you know, my favorite topic is the heart. I believe God's favorite topic is the heart. Both his heart and our heart. Uh, It says if you keep your heart with diligence, out of it will come the issues of life. Hallelujah. So it's a diligent process to keep your heart. Because your mind and your, and your life that goes on in, your, in, the, in the days, day by day, can take you away from what's really in your heart. Instead of following your heart, you follow your mind. And that's when you get into trouble. We're always trying, with our mind, we're always trying to find a solution to every issue, when the solution is in your heart. The solution is within you, in your heart. Hallelujah. If your heart's right, everything else will fall into line. Hallelujah. That's why we need a regenerated heart. Hallelujah. That's why we need Jesus in our life. Because until that heart starts to beat in us, the heart, which is really God's heart, uh, we are no different to what we were before we gave our hearts and lives to Jesus. But when the heart of God beats in our heart, then we have compassion. You see, compassion is a lot better than feeling sorry for people. Our normal emotion is one of, I'm sorry for you. But Jesus' emotion was compassion. And the difference between emotion And compassion is this. Compassion has the power to do something about the situation. Hallelujah. Because it's greater than you. Jesus had compassion on the people we met day by day. And that was what his heart was. He had compassion, you know. I I like to think that Jesus was vulnerable. You know, the Son of God was vulnerable. When he walked about, you know, you've only got to see what happened when he was calling Lazarus from the grave. It says he wept. Hallelujah. He wept. He was vulnerable. He was moved within him for for Lazarus. Hallelujah. That's what God wants in us. He doesn't want us to have it all together. Praise God. You might think God wants you to have it all together. He wants you to have him. And he wants you to be vulnerable like him. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't like being vulnerable. No, you won't like being vulnerable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it it leaves you in a position where you're totally dependent on God. Hallelujah. For everything. See, the mind works against that. The mind says, well, I've got this promise and that promise and that, the other and all the rest of it. Uh, And it's good having all the promises of God in your mind because it keeps your mind. But 
It says out of your heart is the issue of life. Hallelujah. And this is a strange message. I don't know why the Lord's given it me. I've had it for about a month. In the depths of my sickness, God spoke to me and he keeps speaking to me about this thing. (coughs) (coughs) And it comes from Zinkel. I'll read you the first he gave me. Well, it started off like this. I'll tell you how it started off. It's, uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, can you discern between the clean and the unclean? <laughs> you say, well, what's that all about? So I went to the Word. See, when, when God says something to you, you have to go to the Word. You have to go to the Word. You can't do it off the top of your head. We're not sailing this boat off the top of their head, we have to have the word of God, which is the Bible. It's a written word. It's, it's, sometimes it's in code because you have to ask the Holy Spirit to decode it for you. And I'll read this one to you and see how you get on with this one. It says, her priests, it's talking about Jerusalem here. It's in Ezekiel 22, verse 26. And it says, her priests have done violence to my law. And profane holy things. They've made no distinction between the holy, clean, and the holy and sacred, and the profane, secular. They have not taught people the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profane among them. Now you say, well, that's a bit of a hard word, isn't it? Well, it was a bit of a hard word to me. But I've sought God on it. And he showed me instances in the Bible where people didn't discern the difference between the clean and the unclean, the profane, uh, sorry, the sacred and the secular. Now, the word secular means the affairs of the world. The affairs of the world. And that's our general life. That's the things that are going on. We live in the world. Uh, We may not be of the world, but we're influenced by all that goes on in the world, aren't we? Let's face it, you know. We we live in a world, and we we are sustained by the word of God and sustained by, by God himself, but... We can't listen to what the world has to say. We have to look to the sacred. And, you know, God showed me a meeting. And when the Holy Spirit starts to move, something sacred is happening. Something sacred is happening. And it happens in this church regularly. There's a sacred move of of the Holy Spirit. The power of God comes down upon us. We can feel that sacred move. And we have to back off. That's what what I feel God's saying to me. We have to back off and let God. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon a meeting, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do whatever he's going to do. And what amazes me is God does all sorts of wonderful things without any input from me as as a minister, or anybody else in the meeting. Because the presence of God is powerful. Hallelujah. 
And do you, when you come to this meeting on a Sunday, do you detect the power and presence of God? When we start to worship, do you feel, do you, I'm not saying Phil, Phil's not a thing. Do you have something inside you that draws you? You know, we sing, draw me close to you. Never let me go. You know, and does it draw you close to him? You see, you're being drawn to the sacred things of God. God wants to do something in you that's sacred to him. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not something that is ordinary. Do you discern when God is moving in you? I, I, you know, it's a hard word. I find it a hard word to give because it's hard to understand the sacredness of a, a gathering such as this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was easy when, when, uh, when the power, fire fell in the wilderness and the cloud was there. They had a, had a physical demonstration of God, didn't they? When the, fire, when the cloud and the fire moved, they moved. Well, we still have the same thing, brother and sisters. It's here, in this, in this place. So when we enter into the presence of God, he shows us and directs our paths. He shows us things that we didn't know. Hallelujah. It's such a sacred thing. Hallelujah. Uh, let's try a few il- illustrations. Uh, if we go to 1 Chronicles 13... And this is talking about the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the box that was in the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, where God's presence was, where the mercy seat was, where the priests had to go in once a year with the blood of a, an, an offering for the sins of the people. And David, the, we all know the Ark was captured by the Philistines, and it was taken back from the Philistines because the power of God was so strong, it was causing problems in, in, the, in the Philistines' camp. Dagon, the, their god, fell on his face in front of the ark because they put it in the temple, it, they, and it kept falling over. Every time they put it up, it came down, you see. <laughs> this is the ark of God. This is the power of God. This is the sacredness of God that I'm talking about. And... They, the ark was returned from the Philistines. They couldn't live with it. They, it was causing all sorts of problems. They had hemorrhoids and goodness knows what. Um, and they were completely debilitated by the presence of God. And then it was brought uh, out. It was put on a cart with some, some cows that led it. And it came back to Israel and it was put in, uh, in somebody's house. And David was prompted by God. He said, we don't want to leave the the presence of God in that house. We'd like to get it back on top of Mount Moriah. That's where he planned, you know, where Abraham sacrificed his son or went to sacrifice his son. The the place in Jerusalem now where the temple is. (laughs) David put a tent on top of the mountain without all the trimmings that Moses had, you know, the, the, the inner and outer temple and all the, the other things that were shown to Moses in the wilderness. David put this place up there and his intention was to take this ark 
from this man's house and take it to the mountain. So he did like everybody would do in a secular world. He got a new cart. At least he went for a new cart uh, with some with bullocks to pull it. And he put the ark on there. And it, it, this, it set out. And they were all rejoicing. David was dancing and dancing in front of it. And they brought, it was coming towards Jerusalem. And the oxen stumbled, it says. And the ark, being on a cart, started rocking. It looked like it was going to fall off the cart. And the man called Uzziah touched the ark to try and steady it. And he died instantly. Because he touched the sacred. He touched the sacred. He didn't honour the person who was living in the ark. He didn't honour. And telling the story a little bit to get, get there a little bit faster the, um, the ark was put in the, in the house of Obed-Edom and it stayed there for a little while David was really upset he said can I, can I live with this God who does such terrible things and uh, it came to David I don't know how it came to him but Putting it on a cart wasn't the real way to do it. When the ark was built, it had four rings, one in each corner, and it had two big staffs that went through those rings, and the ark, whenever it went through the wilderness, was carried on four men's shoulders. Hallelujah. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is an indication that God's plan was that his presence would be carried in his children. Hallelujah. And it's not, a, it's not an abstract thing, the way the world deals with the presence of God. This is a personal thing between you and God because you carry the presence of God with you day by day. And so you have to understand, this is what the scripture I started out with, the difference between the world, world's way and God's way. Hallelujah. We don't have to be afraid, like David was, of coming near to God. Providing we come in the right way. Providing we allow God to come into our lives and change us. So that we're regenerated by the power of God. That's why we need to be born again. That's why we need to come to know Jesus as our own personal saviour. That's why we need to have a revolution go on inside us. And a new heart. God gives you a new heart when you do that. And a connection to him through the sacred. See, my, my experience of being born again is very sacred to me. It's something that's, that God gave me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I value it. Hallelujah. I value the presence of God in my life. And anybody who has Jesus in their heart and life should value the presence of God and want more of that presence in their hearts and lives. Hallelujah. That's what this scripture is all about. So David did bring the ark to Mount Moriah on people's shoulders and there was a shout of rejoicing. And David set up a thing where there was 24-hour praise to God on top of that mountain. They had shifts of singers 
and musicians who every, I think, eight hours or something like that, I don't know the shift pattern, uh, God didn't reveal the shift pattern, but they were going up the mountain, they had songs when they were going up the mountain to the, to the, uh, to the tent on top of the mountain, they had songs when they came down, they had songs when they were up there, David wrote all these different songs, hallelujah, and it was just like it is today in the church. We worship and we praise God. And we should be doing that 24-7. Hallelujah. It should, he should, you know, what's that song? He's all, you're always on my mind. I think it's a worldly song. <laughs> we, should be, we should be singing the Christian version of that. You are always on my mind. Jesus, you're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, that's an illustration of how not to do it. How not to deal with the presence of God. You can't deal with it in the natural. You can only enter into the spiritual realm through the power of the Holy Spirit and have complete union with God, heart to heart. It's all about your heart. That's why you need to be born again, regenerated. You need a new heart. You need that to make the connection with God because it's, he, he comes into your heart and life, his influence, his love. Well, um, we, could, we can look at... Uh, right. We go into Numbers. Numbers 20. Verse 7. I'll read this one to you. It's reasonably... And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth with water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so that they shall give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch your water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank in their beasts also. But this is the is the nub of this story. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You see, Moses didn't follow the instruction. I, I make, no ex- uh, make no excuse for Moses, but I do believe... He'd had 40 years of, of these people in the wilderness moaning and groaning and driving him absolutely crazy. And he got really angry. But you can't get angry with God. It's a bad thing to get angry with God. Because when you get angry with God, you do bad things. And although Moses had previously got water from a rock by striking it, under God's instructions. God specifically said to him this time, 
speak to the rock. And that was the instruction. But Moses got carried away. He said, must I do this for you people? He got to the end of his tether and he, he didn't honour God in what he was doing. And before the people, he dishonoured God. Because they got the impression that, that God was angry with them. I don't know whether God was angry with them. It doesn't say he was angry with them. In fact, he, even though Moses didn't do it the correct way, he gave them water that they'd asked for. Um, you know, you could construe that if God was really angry with them, that nothing would have happened when Moses struck the rock. But when he struck the rock, water came out and sufficed their flocks and their people. Hallelujah. And so we have to honour God in every way. It's all very well getting angry about things, and we can get angry with God, you know, but it don't do any good at all. Because what our instruction is, is to speak to the rock. Hallelujah. I don't know what your situation is. God's not interested in how you feel about the situation. He's only interested in you obeying his commandment. And in many cases, the commandment of God today, to us as Christians, is speak to this situation. Speak to this sickness. Speak to this thing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We can, we can wave our arms about and get really excited and, and, ang- and sort of pray and, uh, and do all sorts of things. But when it ships it down, we have to follow the instructions of God. Moses didn't. And he finished up. He didn't go to the promised land. Even though he'd, he'd done all this 40 years of, in the wilderness, he never made the promised land because of that one mistake. Now, we live under grace and we get more leeway than Moses did. But there are consequences when we don't discern God's Holy Spirit. When, he's, when he brings us into that place of where the Holy Spirit comes upon us, if we don't discern his hand and his, um, his direction for us. You see, that's the only purpose that the Spirit comes upon us is for us to receive instruction and to receive strength, grace for every situation. So that's two of the Old Testament illustrations. Uh, we can go to Acts 10, and I'll just read you this, verse 14 and 15 of Acts 10. But Peter, Peter had this vision of all these animals coming down from uh, in, in front of him, and God saying to him, eat, 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 Peter, eat. And all the things that God showed him were things that he'd never eaten in his life before, because he was a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, and he wasn't allowed to eat all these various things that, that God showed him. And uh, he said these words to God. Not all 
Not at all, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common, unholy, and ceremonially unclean. You see, he saw, God was telling him to do something that was out of his comfort zone. He was telling him to do something out of his comfort zone. He, God was telling him, you know, he was seeing this. And yet he was so set in his ways that he couldn't allow it to happen the way God wanted it to. But, you see, God was gracious to him. And he said, the voice, he did this twice. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and he immediately all his foods were taken up into heaven. Now, Peter was unable to take this experience, but Cornelius's people that Cornelius, this centurion had sent, suddenly appeared at the door down below while Peter was having this vision and asked him to go with them to Cornelius and to pray for Cornelius. And you know, the revelation that Peter got then took him to a house with a Roman centurion, all these different, what, what they would call uncircumcised people, were in this house. And Peter said, well, I, I see that God is working a work outside of my comfort zone, really, that's what he was saying. And he started preaching the gospel to them. And then the Holy Ghost fell on these people. And suddenly Peter saw it. He said, seeing that God has sent his spirit on these people, I perceive that there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. Hallelujah. Now, it's, it's an unclean and a clean thing. You see? It, it, sometimes we get uncomfortable with being around the unclean. But God has a way of cleansing that which is around us by his spirit. And I thank God we must always look for the sacredness of the move of the Holy Spirit around us. We must not be limited by our previous uh, understanding, our previous experience, our background, Whatever it be, God wants to move us on into something greater. And we must always have the perception of seeing the holiness of the Holy Spirit. When, he, when the Holy Spirit moves, there is something wonderful in that. And we will, we will grasp the sacred. Now, one of the last examples is, is a really hard one to understand. We all know about the offering that Anias and Sapphira made. They said to God, we've sold this piece of land. This, was in, this is in Acts uh, chapter 5, verse 4. They, they'd sold this piece of land and they told the disciples they were giving them the whole portion of the money they got to help the ministry that has just been established in, in Acts 5. And uh, they held back part of the money that they got, which is amazing. Um, and this is what P- 
Peter said to them, As long as it remained unsold, did it not remain your own, to do with as you please? And after it was sold, was the money not under your control? Why is it then that you have conceived this act of hypocrisy and deceit in your heart? You have not simply lied to people, but to God. Hallelujah. And with that, he dropped dead. It's a very difficult thing to us in this current um, situation, the way things are here with us, uh, to think that over an offering, which wasn't uh, fulfilled completely, that somebody could die. Both he and his wife died as a result of this situation. But you see, the thing that was wrong, I see in this, is that they didn't realise the sacredness of what they'd done in giving God the money that they said they would give him. It's a sacred thing. You see, the offering is a sacred thing. It's between you and God. It's sacred. And when you give, you have to consider it a holy thing. You see, some people think, well, I'll put the money in the collection and that's my contribution to, to, to God. But the thing about it is, your contribution to God's kingdom is sacred to God. Hallelujah. I'm not putting the frighteners on you, I'm just illustrating the point. Hallelujah, how far it goes, how important it is to get right with God in all your activities, even today. I don't think there's many people who have dropped dead as a result of an offering. <laughs> Thank God for that. But they were in a special time. In Acts 5, the Holy Spirit was moving dramatically. Uh, and uh, there, was, there was this sacredness on what God was doing around them as a, as a collection of new Christians. And I don't know why God chose to, to, to uh, bring this to, to the front with this man. I don't know why God chose to do it that way. But I don't realise that when the man realised what he'd done, he died on the spot. Hallelujah. That shows you how sacred and how powerful the move of God was in those early days at Acts. Um, and I want, to, I want to just close with saying, really, we need to, whatever distance we've gone with God, we need to focus in. When, the, when, when God's Holy Spirit starts moving, we must consider it a sacred thing. Hallelujah. It's a sacred thing. It's a sacred thing. I, I thank God that... Maybe God's given me this message for a, for a future time amongst us. We, I don't know about you, but I feel there's a, we're on the cusp of something much more powerful in these coming days. God is setting us up or preparing us for something big. Hallelujah. So I think the reason God's opened this up to me is this that he wants us to be aware there are areas 
that we can't dabble in. If God's moving, we've got to be serious with God. We've got to get serious with God. Hallelujah. That's not a condemnationary thing. That's not something to make you feel bad. Not something to make you feel scared. I'm not scared of God. He doesn't want me to be scared of God because I know he loves me. But I am, I am, what you might say, I reverence God and the movement of his spirit. And that reverence is so important when we see it. God wants to move more and more in our heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move more and more in this place. Hallelujah. We need, we need to see when the Holy Spirit starts to move, we need to enter into the presence of God. Because I believe the only thing that changes a person's life is an uh, experience of, like Paul had on the Damascus Road. He was changed dramatically. Hallelujah. He met with God in a sacred place on top of that road, on the road to Damascus. I don't know, I always thought he was on top of a hill. He fell off his horse at the top of the hill. I don't know. That's, that's the way I see it in my spirit anyway. <laughs> he wants us to have that Damascus Road experience with him. He wants us to value the presence of the Holy Spirit in a greater measure in the coming days, brothers and sisters. So when we start to worship and praise God, just enter in. Enter into that heart-to-heart relationship with him. Hallelujah. Because there's so much more. There's so much more for each one of us, brother and sister. We may be drifting along in life, and I see a lot of people drifting along in life from one week to another. But God wants us not to drift. He wants us to, to, to push, press in to him and his presence, his power. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray, Lord, this morning that the message I've given might be your message, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will affect each one of us, Lord. Me, I suspect, Lord, me primarily because you gave me this word, Lord. Hallelujah. But I pray that what I've shared this morning might spark something in each and every heart, Lord, that they want a deeper expression of your power in their lives, Lord. They want a deeper experience with you, Lord, that when we worship you, you might come and sup with us. Just ask it, sup with us, Lord. Ask it in the name of Jesus.